Hello and welcome to the very first podcast which will provide clinicians with an overview of the monthly NICE guideline updates, all of which will be pertinent to primary care clinicians. My name is Emma Smith and I'm an advanced nurse practitioner and the clinical quality nurse lead for North Norfolk Primary Care. And I am here with Emma Lambon. Hello, I am a practice nurse and the board nurse of North Norfolk Primary Care. These podcasts are going to be delivered on a monthly basis to help busy clinicians keep updated on recent changes and will be in conjunction with the NICE newsletter roundup, which is also sent out monthly. So we're going to um, discuss an overview of what what is the, what the updates and changes in relation to AF, acne, vulgaris and conjunctivitis this month. Okay, so let's start, Emma, with acne. So this guideline covers management of acne vulgaris in primary and in specialist care and it includes advice on topical and oral treatments so that includes antibiotics and retinoids and the impact on mental health and well-being. So Emma if you had a patient present to you with concerns about their acne how would you assess and manage it from a prescribing point of view? Okay, well, firstly, I would assess the severity of the acne based on either the scale of mild, moderate or severe. Mild being mostly non-inflamed and open and closed comedones, moderate being non-inflamed lesions and inflamed papules and pustules, or being severe with widespread inflamed papules and pustules with nodules and sometimes cysts. I would then discuss offering um, the patient a 12-week course of any one of the following sort of first guideline options. And this is also taken into account the severity of their acne and the person's preferences. And, and obviously after a discussion with them about the advantages and disadvantages of each option. The first option for any acne severity would be a fixed combination of a topical adapalene with a topical benzoyl peroxide. This would be something such as epiduo. I would then consider, for again, any acne severity, a fixed combination of a topical tretinoin with topical clindamycin, such as treclin. Or for somebody who had just mild to moderate acne, I would consider a fixed combination of topical benzoyl peroxide with topical clindamycin, such as duac, and that comes in the 1% or 3% um, strengths. Um, but for anybody with moderate or severe um, to severe acne, I would consider a fixed combination topical adapalene with topical benzoyl peroxide together with oral limocycline or oral doxycycline, which are both um, first line treatments. Or I would consider instead of that a topical um, azelaic acid with either um, limocycline or doxycycline, for, again for moderate or severe acne. Um, the useful thing is, uh, if you do have access to System 1 and you use the Arden's template, the guidelines on there um, allow you to prescribe all the f these first-line options and they are all kept up to date with um, first-line for whichever CCG you work for and also up to date with the NICE guidelines that we've, we've just talked about. Yeah, thanks Emma, that is really helpful, thank you. Right, now let's move on to conjunctivitis. So the conjunctivitis guideline describes diagnosis, management and prescribing information um, and in May there has been a minor update and that's the recommendation that the use of chloramphenicol eye drops be contraindicated in children who are under the age of two years. 
So with that in mind, Emma, what would you do if a parent presented with their child who was under two years old with symptoms of conjunctivitis? Okay, well, firstly, I would advise the parent that most cases of bacterial conjunctivitis are self-limiting and usually would resolve within five to seven days without any active treatment other than just self-care measures such as bathing of the eye and uh, um, hand and face sort of hygiene. However, as a safety net, I would advise a follow-up if the symptom still persists um, and if, if the parent reattends with the child with ongoing symptoms of what is considered to be conjunctivitis, I would think about sending off swabs for a viral PCR. Again, this is part of the NICE guidelines. Um, the viral PCR would look to see whether or not it's actually an adenovirus or herpes simplex and also send off a bacterial culture to see or confirm whether it is actually a bacterial conjunctivitis. And if the infection is not so severe and can await for the swab results before commencing any treatment, then I would do so in agreement with the parent. But it's also important to educate the parent that it's best to await swab results to ensure that you are target treating the infection, i.e. with a current drug such as an antiviral for a virus or an antibiotic for a bacterial infection. Um, if, if after that, I mean, obviously, if the, if the child still then have symptoms, um, again, NICE guidelines um, would indicate that you would consider referral to ophthalmology if the symptoms are persistent for more than seven to ten days after initiating that treatment that, that you might have started based on that swab. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Emma. OK, and now let's move on to AF. So the AF guidelines covers diagnosing and managing atrial fibrillation in adults um, and includes guidance on providing best care and treatment for people with AF, um, including assessing and managing the risks of stroke and bleeding. So the guidelines, uh, new and updated recommendations are on detection and diagnosis, assessment of stroke and the bleeding risks, stroke prevention, rate control, left atrial ablation, preventing reoccurrence after ablation, and preventing and managing postoperative AF. So Emma, can you just tell me a bit about the changes to the assessment of bleeding risk scoring? Okay, yes. Yeah. So um, on the 30th of June um, this year, NICE amended their recommendations on using the ORBIT score to assess a bleeding risk. Um, this was um, reinstated um, because it was removed in error in at the beginning of June in 2021. So this new guideline um, basically describes the orbit score and how it's used um, to assess risk of major bleeding with anticoagulation. It's similar to the Hasbled uh, score and it may be used in conjunction with the CHADS VAS score as well to risk stratify patients um, who are clinically significant um, risk of bleeding. And this may help guide decisions on anticoagulation with patients in AF. So the ORBIT score is based on sex, age, bleed history, GFR, and if the patient has had any, uh, is on any antiplatelet treatments. It gives a low, medium or high risk of bleeding um, if they're put on anticoagulation and it also talks about patient preferences um, and values should go into the decision making regarding anticoagulation as it pertains to risk versus benefits of being on an anticoagulation for stroke prevention in patients with atrial fibrillation. The ORBIT score again can be found on the AF Arden's template if you use system one. Alternatively, if you, example, for example, an EMIS practice, you can access the ORBIT score online. 
Brilliant. Okay, that concludes this month's snapshot updates. Moving forward, we will send out links to the overviews on a monthly basis. We hope that you've enjoyed it and please, please feedback to us if there's any suggestions to help improve these podcasts. We'll see you. you next month. Bye. Bye.